Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Brothers and sisters, draw your strength from the Lord and from His mighty power. Put on the armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the tactics of the devil. For our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities, with the powers, with the world rulers of this present darkness, with the evil spirits in the heavens. Therefore put on the armor of God, that you may be able to resist on the evil day, and having done everything, to hold your ground. So stand fast with your loins girded in truth, clothed with righteousness as a breastplate, and your feet shod in readiness for the gospel of peace. In all circumstances hold faith as a shield to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and supplication, Pray at every opportunity in the Spirit. To that end, be watchful with all perseverance and supplication for all the holy ones and also for me, that speech may be given to open my mouth, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, so that I may have the courage to speak as I must. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Blessed be the Lord, my rock. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for battle, my fingers for war. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, my mercy and my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield in whom I trust, who subdues people under me. Blessed be the Lord, my rock. O God, I will sing a new song to you. With a ten-stringed lyre, I will chant your praise. You who give victory to kings and deliver David, your servant, from the evil sword. Blessed be the Lord, my rock. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Some Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Go away, leave this area, because Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and I perform healings today and tomorrow, and on the third day I accomplish my purpose. Yet I must continue on my way today, tomorrow, and the following day, for it is impossible that a prophet should die outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how many times I yearn to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were unwilling. Behold, your house will be abandoned. But I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. 
Well, brothers and sisters, St. Paul, in this passage from Ephesians 6 that we heard today, says something that we often repeat among one another as we engage in the culture battles, as we must, that we're not just fighting against human beings. We're not just fighting on the natural level against people's ideas, people's desires, organizations, political opponents. We are fighting against spirits. And Paul, when he uses these various words, principalities, powers, rulers, evil spirits in the heavens, he's actually thinking about different categories of demons that are very real, real personal beings, and that is what our faith tells us. These are not just symbolic uh, words. The, the, The devil is real, the demons are real, and they hate us. And as Peter says, they're prowling like roaring lions looking for someone to devour. Resist them solid in your faith. And Paul will go on to talk about faith as one of those weapons of resistance. But we know we are in a spiritual battle. People talk about spiritual warfare. There's a great awareness of that within circles of faith today. We have to avoid two extremes, and and virtue is always in the middle of two extremes. Number one, uh, again, just thinking that these spirits don't really exist, that it's just uh, metaphor and symbol. No, they're real. Of course, on the other extreme, we don't want to see the devil around every corner and blame the devil for everything that goes wrong. Now, let's, let's just, you know, be careful about that. Don't give him more credit than he deserves. First of all, the devil can often sit back and watch us mess things up pretty well all on our own. But the other danger of this is that uh, it can be simply a, a, a lack of recognition of our own responsibility. And it can be silly things. I mean, you know, we're going to give a presentation and, uh, you know, let's say, for example, I'm bringing you this mass right now and something goes wrong with the, the audio or with the camera or with the broadcast. Well, does the devil want the the, the mass to be broadcast? Of course not. But does that mean that when we had an audio glitch, oh, well, but there's the the, the devil's getting in the way, it's spiritual warfare? No, not necessarily. Maybe it's that, you know, I didn't uh, do the the preparation right ahead of time or the cable got old, you know, or or, or there's a perfectly natural explanation. Not everything should automatic, and not everything that hinders us should automatically be uh, uh, considered an attack of the devil. And again, we're going between two extremes because you don't want to ignore uh, the reality of the devil either, but you don't want to attribute everything that happens to, to, to him when it's hindering us. Okay, now Paul goes on. Remember, Paul is writing this as a prisoner in chains. So chained to his wrist, he's got a Roman soldier right near him. And so you can imagine how easy it was for Paul to come up with this passage we just read, looking at this soldier all the time and seeing the breastplate, the sword, the shield, the, 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 the foot gear that he had on, the helmet. And so he starts thinking in spiritual terms. He says, yeah, I'm in chains, but I'm the one who's stronger here. I'm in a battle here against spirits, not just against a Roman soldier, a Roman empire. I'm in a spiritual battle, and so is the whole body of Christ. Let me reflect 
on the weapons we have. That soldier has his weapons. He has his breastplate and his helmet. But you know what? So do I. So you can see how this came about. And let's go through the elements that he mentions. Put on the armor of God. Okay, we have an armor. Of course, then that, again, makes us realize we are in a battle. Some Christians don't want to think of it in terms of a battle. That's the reality. It is, whether you like it or not. Whether you like to think in those terms or not, it's a battle. And saying that it's a battle doesn't mean that we advocate physical violence against the innocent. It doesn't mean that at all. It means we recognize that there are forces lined up against us who hate us and want to stop us, and that we have the means to resist, and that God has given us the battle to work out our salvation and to announce the gospel to the world. There's a conflict between light and darkness. As Jesus told us, the light came into the world. Some people preferred darkness, and now you've got a division going on, and now you've got a conflict going on, and we have to battle that darkness with the light of truth. So what is this armor of God? Truth, first of all. Your loins girded in truth. We don't preach a question mark. We preach an exclamation point. We don't wonder what does God want. We know certain essential things He wants and we proclaim those things. He wants us to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, who is the truth. There's no watering that down. There are no other saviors. There are no other gospels that we are to believe in. All religions are not equal. All persons are equal, and that's why we can respect those of other religions, and even in the right circumstances and in the right way, pray with them, gather together. We can't take part in... in uh, in false prayer, but we can pray, take, come together in true prayer. Brothers and sisters, but there is truth. And, and Paul is saying that this is one of our key spiritual weapons. Secondly, righteousness as a breastplate. People will lie about you and me, trying to deter us or deter others from joining with us. And one of the best refutations of those lies is simply the evidence of a good life. This is one of the reasons why, not that I'm um, immune from sin by any means, but I always have my daily diary. It's part, of, part of it is proactive and encouragement to those who, who are involved in this work with me. But also part of it is defensive in the sense that, okay, if somebody's going to make up stories about me. Here I have, you know, online on our website a, a, a video of exactly what I did each day from the moment I woke up till the moment I went to sleep. It's all there. Open book. So righteousness needs to shape our lives, and we all sin, and we all fall. But the point is, where's our direction going, and what are we trying to do? Are we trying to live in conformity with the Lord, and are we not afraid to come into the light to let people see exactly what we are doing? Your feet shod in readiness for the gospel of peace. The gospel is not something that we simply adhere to on the inside. We are ready to go into whatever places God calls us to proclaim that gospel, starting within 
our own family, parents passing the faith to their children and grandchildren, and within our own church communities, using every opportunity to proclaim the gospel. That readiness for the gospel of peace is a defense. That zeal to spread the kingdom strengthens that kingdom in us. Hold faith as a shield. Now the word here for shield is is not for the round, small version, but the oblong, big, big shield. And one of the big things that the shields in this uh, array of Roman uh, uh, armor uh, would guard against were fiery darts. The shields were made of two different um, uh, layers of, of wood, and the fiery dart would go into the wood, embed itself, and the flame would go out. The shield was a very powerful defense, and Paul says, use faith. Faith that the letter to the Hebrews talks about as the, the conviction about things we do not yet see or possess, but we know nevertheless. We know them, going back, of course, to truth. Faith is rooted in truth. We don't preach a question mark. We preach an exclamation point, and our faith tells us that whatever the battle is against the evil spirits that we're engaged in, that Christ has already won the victory. Faith is that conviction that puts out the fiery darts of temptation. Temptation to despair or discouragement, temptation to any of the the, uh, passions that can become unbridled, pride or lust or greed. Faith would be a temptation. Take greed, for example. We'll store up treasure in heaven. Do we believe in that treasure? That that treasure is something real? That we know how to build it up through acts of love and service and generosity and worship? If faith is strong in us, the heavenly treasure is going to be seen as very real. And therefore, the fiery dart of the temptation of greed will be extinguished by that shield. And on and on, we can go with all kinds of other examples about all kinds of other temptations. Because, Paul says, there will be flaming arrows of the evil one. Then he says, the helmet of salvation. Knowing that we have been reconciled with God. That is a helmet on our head. Our head then guides everything. Our brain, our eyes, moving forward in life. We know that we are among those called to salvation. In fact, we embrace the salvation as something we already have and we have to continue to work out, as Paul says, with fear and trembling. But we are people who have been saved from the kingdom of darkness, transferred from the kingdom of evil into the kingdom of Christ. That salvation is our foundation. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, God has spoken His Word. Through His Word, He created everything. Through His Word, He became flesh. Through His Word, He justified us. Through His Word, He makes darkness and error and sin flee. Through His Word, He baptizes. He absolves sins. He brings about the Eucharist through His Word. The Scriptures are the Word of God. The Word of God is giving to us in the living community as well. And it's a sword. What is one of the things a sword does? Well, it pierces, so God's Word convicts us of sin and also inspires us to lives of faith and generosity and service and love. But it also divides. A sword divides. 
And we've talked many times here about how God is a God of division. Of course, it's a division between hatred and love, between truth and falsehood, between sin and grace, between life and death. The word divides. It reminds us of another passage, doesn't it, in a letter to the Hebrews. The word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing bone and marrow, getting right into the human heart and, and, and distinguishing. The word of God enlightens us and distinguishes authentic, true, and good desires from ones that are misleading and only a dead end because they're rooted in selfishness. The word of God divides. It divides the path of virtue from the path of sin. We have to divide it so that we can reject the one and embrace the other. How are you going to do that unless you first divide them? This is what the Word of God does. And then, of course, Paul says your greatest weapon here, prayer. And notice what he asks them to pray for him about. Boldness of speech. This came up in one of the other readings the other day. We have boldness of speech. A Christian is not silent. He says, pray for me. And you might think then if he's going to go on to talk about his intentions, he says, well, pray for me that I'll get released from prison, that I'll be safe, that I'll be able to um, serve the Lord. Well, yeah, he wants to serve the Lord, but he says, Speech, pray for me, for all the holy ones, and for me, that speech may be given. To open my mouth, to make known the mystery of the gospel with boldness. Oh, this is something we so need today. Not just to speak the gospel. To speak it with boldness. Brothers and sisters, let's pray for that intention for everyone who believes. This is essential. What a marvelous formula Paul has given us. Let us take on all this armor. Let us use it. Let us gain ground for the kingdom of God and the culture of life. Amen. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.